Thank you for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. And man, what a show I have got for you today. I welcome Stacy D, the lead singer and guitarist for Bad Cop, Bad Cop. A phenomenal band, a band I adore. And we talk for 45 minutes. We hit it off immediately. And at the end of it, she says, man, I could have sat here and talked to you all day. Same, Stacy. Same. Holy crap. We cover a ton of real estate here in this episode. We talk a ton about Bad Cop's music. We talk about fat records and why Bad Cop will always be a fat band, in Stacy's own words. We talk a bit about the state of the music business as it exists in 2023, the future for Bad Cop. That stuff's all fascinating. I love talking about that, and I could have talked to her about music literally all day, as we already said. But kind of more important than that, we talk about Stacy's work as part of the Sidewalk Project. Now, the Sidewalk Project does work in Los Angeles, working with unhoused people, working with people who are addicted to drugs, helping them stay safe, helping them get off the streets, helping them live their best lives. How do we help people who are most vulnerable and most marginalized? We spend a ton of time talking about harm reduction, talking about the way that they approach it might be counterintuitive to the way we understand the issue today. And as we sort of conclude that part of the conversation, I pivot back to talking about music. Stacy kind of apologizes to me like, yeah, sorry about all that. And I go, no, you know what? If we're actual punk rockers, it would be a dereliction of duty not to talk about these things that impact society and helping vulnerable people. If we're not doing that, what the fuck are we even doing here, right? So this episode goes up a couple of days before the Punk Rock Saves Lives Fest here in Denver. It's my second year in a row going to it. I had a blast last year. It was amazing. But Bad Cop, Bad Cop is on the bill. They're playing with Flatfoot 56, Plasma Canvas. The Nuns of Brixton, Dryer Fire, all Waffle Trick. I'm leaving out a ton, but they're playing on Saturday. It's at Ratio Beer Works. I am personally going to be there, so come say hi to me if you're listening to this. And you dig Bad Cop, Bad Cop. And what can I say, man? I love being in this world. These are my peeps. People just dedicated to rocking out, giving back, doing good work. And Stacy D is just a remarkable guest. We had a phenomenal conversation, and I cannot wait to see Bad Cop melt everyone's faces this Saturday at Ratio Beer Works. Quick plug, the John of All Trades podcast is a production of Deft Communications. That's deftcom.us, D-E-F-T-C-O-M.us. That's my company. You hear me mention it here in this episode. I've been self-employed for eight and a half years. I do all manner of public outreach campaigns, but more importantly than that, and what is taking most of my time these days, is podcasting. This is but one of 10 shows that I produce, two of which I'm on, eight of which I'm working behind the scenes doing all manner of things, whether it's booking guests, whether it's technical production, whether it's editing, whether it's writing episode descriptions, you name it, I've done it here in podcasting. And if you'd like to work with me, send me an email. It's john, J-O-N, at deftcom.us, D-E-F-T-C-O-M.us. That's the only plug for today. Let's get to this week's episode. It is Stacy D from Bad Cop, Bad Cop. I'm thrilled to feature her here. Cannot wait to see her in person here on Saturday. Episode 351, Stacy D from Bad Cop, Bad Cop starts right now. Denver has always been very good to us in our band. We have a dear friend there. His name is Jim, but he goes by Bread Zeppelin. Okay. And I've known him. Actually, it's from my first band, The Angry Amputees. We played... Excuse me, the Vans Warped Tour in 2002. Oh, wow. And um, we got to play on the main stage because it was our last day. So Kevin let us open up the main stage. So we kind of uh, started our fan base for even Bad Cop then. You know what I mean? Because people that have yeah. followed me for a while have known, you know, since we were there. So, yeah, Denver's always been great. Bread Zeppelin, we go and stay. He's kind of like a, a second dad or an uncle to me and his family. We always have to get a little uh, primed because of the <laughs> yeah. we're acclimated to the elevation. We're always like, Jesus Christ, I feel sick. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> totally. Uh, I have a I have a friend who used to come up here for softball tournaments from Texas. 
<laughs> and she would say to me, she's like, our coach would make us like run laps in the parking lot, you know, before games just to try and get our wind acclimated because it's brutal trying to trying to run up here. And she said the other thing was the sun. Well, yeah, it's like, how much closer am I to the sun? You know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. The sun is punishing. And I was just up in the mountains this last weekend. And, you know, it's like 70 degrees. It's beautiful. But I'm like, God, the sun is just like beating down on me. It's killing me. So hard. So, yeah, I mean. On it? Yeah, no, I get it. The only place that's, you know, worse that even like walking downstairs gives you out of breath is Flagstaff. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or I suppose uh, if you've ever played Mexico City, I heard that's altitude oh, combined yeah. with terrible you air quality. What? I didn't know that it was up that high. I had no problem in Mexico City. <laughs> nice. All but right. I had a ball. <laughs> that is phenomenal. So this is Stacey D. She is the lead singer of Bad Cop, Bad Cop, uh, a band I am looking forward to seeing this weekend at Ratio Beer Works playing the Punk Rock Saves Lives Festival. This is two years in a row for me, the Punk Rock Saves Lives Festival. How did this come together for you? Well, Rob and Tina are very dear friends of ours. I also have a nonprofit called The Sidewalk Project, and um, Punk Rock Saves Lives and Sidewalk have done a lot of things together. Uh, Punk Rock Saves Lives has gone on tour with Anti-Flag that we were main support for. And then they've come out with us where we were headlining. And their their dear friend, you know, Rob, the other day came up to me. We, I don't know where the fuck we were. Punk and uh, Drublick or something. Columbus, oh, sure. That's right. He comes up to me and he goes, you know, you're one of my best friends. And I was like, oh, <laughs> great. <laughs> Is that beer in the morning? Good for you. Uh, no, that's iced tea. <laughs> Um, that would be phenomenal. Just just <laughs> drinking this beer you. out of this like like this regular drink glass. No, uh, unfortunately, it's iced tea. I'm not that punk rock. Um, that would be indeed badass. Um, okay, so here's a question I thought of as I was approaching this, and so this will be kind of a little bit of an intro into this. But last week, Paramore was in town with Foles and the Linda Lindas. Oh, yeah. And the Linda Lindas have become one of my absolute favorite bands. I love what Aww. those kids are doing. And I have two little rockin' girls here in my house, too. One just turned seven. The other one is eight. Aww. And they love punk rock. And they love being able to see, you know, girls doing punk rock. Yes. And so my question to you is this. When I was in high school, when I found punk rock, you know, ska music, all that kind of stuff... There were times where I used to go, oh, God, okay, girl punk, right? Like the typical dipshit yeah, guy yeah. thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, do you still run into that? Is that still a thing in 2023 or is it less so? Uh, I think it's less so or maybe we're just in spaces where things are more, we're, you know, we're in spaces where that we don't have people like that around us, you know? Sure. Um, I, there was times, my, my whole, oh, there's my kitty. There was times in my whole life that, you know, uh, I've been play I've been in punk rock bands for over 20 years and I've been doing this my entire life. And, you know, people will come up and say, I usually don't like girls in punk rock, but, but you're, you're rad. You know what I mean? So I've, I've always kind of had that. I never had, oh, I don't only one time in, <laughs> in Scotland in this club called the think tank which was actually the stinkiest, worst smelling fucking club we've ever been in. Like we were all gagging in the bathroom. There was like toilet flies. It was like, it seemed like anybody that had ever gone in there pissed somewhere in it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it was fucking terrible. It was like terrible. playing, it was like playing Mario paint, but they, and they got the whole yeah. room. <laughs> it was so fucking awful. And we got through it. We were on tour with snuff, the band uh, snuff oh, yeah. in England. And then one guy came up. He's like, no, no, I don't care. I don't like any girls playing punk rock. I don't want to listen to any of it. And I was like, well, all right. Well, you know, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can go play a game of hide and go fuck yourself then. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah. But that's, you know what, for the most part, my experience with punk rock has been inclusive. Men have always been very nice to me. Men have always been very accepting of me doing it. And I come from San Francisco, so there's a lot of um, progression and openness there that I believe, sure. <laughs> you know, people from other places didn't have the experience with, you know, and I know a lot of women have had a really hard time with it. And, um, and right now is the time of the woman or things that are people that are different, you know, and um, our experiences and our perspectives are um, finally welcome. I, I would agree. And, you know, I find myself sitting here in 2023 
listening to a lot of Bad Cop, Bad Cop and the Interrupters and the Linda Lindas and Plasma Canvas. And so, I mean, I've got a wild abundance of straight white dude voices in like, yeah. you know stuff that I love and like even stuff that's you know really like geared toward inclusivity and progress and change you know things like rise against but I'm much sure. more interested in the voices of of people's lived experiences that feels more punk rock to me more transgressive because it's like whoa okay folks who look exactly like me and you go to any show and I mean there's <laughs> an overabundance of dudes who look just like me <laughs> at any punk rock show. But with that said, you know, hearing hearing the, the first person accounts and hearing the lived experiences of folks who are not me feels like some real punk shit that I can do. And, and I'm, I'm hopeful that that's the case. But I don't know. What, what's your thoughts on that? I'm happy to hear that from you. And also, I'm sure having two young females in your home. Yeah opened you up to wanting to be like, okay, I love the style of music. I want them to be into it, but I, I want them to hear stuff that is positive for them. Yeah. Uh, rather than, you know, somebody, I don't, I don't know what band it was, but it was like, somebody said to me the other day, well, I love that band, but I can't really, you know, have my, my little girls listen to that oh. shit. You know what I mean? And it was like, <laughs> I, I get that 100%, you know? Yeah. The thing for me is like, so, our girl's favorite song of yours is Woman Anarchist. Oh, great. Because we do this thing here called Music Video Theater, where me, <laughs> my wife, and two friends all get together. They pick, everyone picks 10 music videos. They send it to me. I put it in a curated list. And then we get ripped and watch it. It's amazing. That's so great. It's phenomenal. And so that video was on there. So it's on a fair amount. The girls can sing along to it. Yeah. Um, with, and you've got in that video is so cool because you have like young girls in that you have just like people all singing along to this tune. And so the experience of watching it is very reflective of what's happening on the screen. Yeah. So which is phenomenal. But I was thinking about what you said, you know, when you have young kids and it's like, well, you know, we don't want them to hear that. We don't want to expose them to, you know, difficult themes or politicality or whatever. It's like, you know what you're doing? You're just outsourcing that to dumber people. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like you're, you're outsourcing that conversation to someone who is stupider than you are as their parent. Right. And so for us, you know, we'll listen to pretty much anything and the girls will ask us and we'll give them a straight answer because yeah. we got to cultivate trust here and we got to equip people to be citizens in what's still a very challenging world. Oh, my gosh. I, you know, I don't know. I and, and a song like Woman Anarchist is, um, and I don't know if I'm even pronouncing that right. I don't think I've ever heard anyone. You got it right. Nobody <laughs> ever gets it right. I hear Woman Christ. I hear Woman Anarchist. <laughs> um, yeah, you got it right. Okay. It, it's not that hard. Like, <laughs> I've just never heard anyone else say it, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that song, even though it's it's sort of like it's very defiant, it's very in your face. But to me, it's a positive song. Why wouldn't yeah. I want them to hear that? Right. It's a, it's a song that, you know, I went through a big life change. And when I came out the other end, I really got, I had a lot of support from my family and friends and, you know, I had to build my life back. But that song was really, I know it sounds like a political song, but it really is a song about you can be and do anything you want to be and do in this world. You know, don't let a label be the thing that defines you. You know what I mean? Don't get stuck in a box. Yeah. Just, um, and you know, a lot of my songs are like that, you know, <laughs> at the, end of the day I'm always trying to get like my other song originators is very much about the same kind of thing. It's like, I'm not going to be stuck in a box. I, I love creating, uh, the life for myself and seeing where I can go and what I can do. And, and like, like I said, just, you know, and also that well, Manicus was really about like, it is my life to choose. It is not anybody else's fucking life. Don't if, you know, if, abortion rights, women's rights, all that kind of stuff. It's like, what are you going to fucking arrest us and put us in prison and burn us at the stake like the witches? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I just refuse. I refuse. And uh, we'll start a groundswell of, of folks just like us that make sure that that doesn't happen to any younger women in the future or us as we get older. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it sucks right now. What's going on in this country Setting us setting women's rights back so far is just uh, unacceptable. It's unconscionable. Yeah, it, you know, it, in the words of George Costanza, we're trying to have a society here, 
Right. And I, I mean, for the love of God, like setting us back, what the fuck is going on? Like, I, don't... I can't even believe that that's allowed. Me either. I can't even believe it's allowed. Yeah, it, it's it's shocking to me. You know, the what you were talking about thematically also reminds me of Simple Girl. Yeah. Um, which is, is another song. And was that video done during quarantine? It was. So it's so funny <laughs> that we did two. Well, Manarchist, we thought we were cutting edge. We're going to do this. <laughs> but then Simple Girl was like, all we can do is this. <laughs> Yeah. So we did the same kind of theme, but, but simple girl was more about showing the exceptional parts of, of strong, wonderful women in all of our glory, all different ways. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, that were great, funny, wild, uh, capable, able, competent, beautiful, you know, that's what simple girl was about. Absolutely. But it, it thematically, it's very similar to woman anarchist because it's, yeah. It's like we can be anything and we should be anything and we should be allowed to be anything. Right. Absolutely. I mean, just think going back, I've been reading something about like women weren't even allowed to really open a bank account by themselves until the 70s. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like how, but that, that goes to show the progression that is uh, happening. So, you know, I mean, I grew up in a, in a matriarchal, led family. My parents were together, but my mother was the breadwinner. My mother was the one that went to work. My mother is the one that made the rules. My father was the one that was sweet and at home and, you know, took care of, took care of the home shopping and cooking, you know? So I had that gender kind of twist in my own, uh, experience growing up. So I saw what was possible, what was possible by women from the beginning, you know? Yeah. And that was something my mom always, and my dad too, it was like, you could be whatever you want. And they never, as much as I didn't have any boundaries with them at all, I think that that allowed me to, to be able to be free in, um, my self-expression. Yeah. I, I think, I think that's really, that's interesting and that's well stated. And I, I would guess not, not many people, I, well, actually maybe more people than we think have a similar experience, but didn't, didn't manifest uh, what you became the way that you did. Yeah. So, I don't know. I just want everybody to be happy, man. I mean, I've spent too much time in life being miserable and getting the opportunity to rebuild my life kind of brick by brick right. and with all possibility is just the coolest thing. And I, I want that for everyone. You know, I was getting better and I was, uh, I went, I had a, a gnarly, uh, addiction to Xanax, but the, the coming off of it was like one, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. And I've had cancer. So it was like, my brain was melting. So to be able to rebuild in, in a, in a positive way and, and just keep like in the song retrograde and, and I've only just begun was really where I was at. And just to see where my life has flourished since then is like, I could cry thinking about it. You know, that's amazing. And, you know, that brings me to a question because I've, I've read, you know, your what you described as going on, you know, with your addiction to Xanax and then going through detox and how difficult that was and, you know, challenges with your band and things like that. When you look back on the music and the art that you created while you were, you know, under the throes of addiction, how do you view that music now? It's hard for me to even listen to because it was it came from such a a sick, sad place. Mm. It didn't come from a person who was well. It came from a person who was very much at the end of whatever that life was was. So even like going back and listening to things on my phone that, you know, phone notes uh, of songs that I wrote back then, it was like, you know, (laughs) there was no strength in it. There was no real perspective and i honestly feel like bad cop you know kind of took off more once we had that that strong perspective you know what i mean once we decided that that's who we were and and, um what we were putting into the world you know writing broken-hearted songs about shitty relationships it's like okay who cares (laughs) (laughs) like every once in a while sure or 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 a cute little song about how much you love somebody sure Sure. Um, but like going back and listening to that stuff before I changed my life is is almost is intolerable, almost intolerable. It's really hard for me to, to listen to it. Does yeah. any of that make its way into current set list? Uh, only Sugar Cane, okay. because I feel like that song is still really relevant and it, it has the message. Get up, get out, get on. It really has that message, even though it comes from a, a harder 
edged place. And it's a true story. You know, I had a friend, my roommate, who was getting beat up by her boyfriend. And she would, you know, I was tending to her wounds. I mean, she had this abscess that came out of her chin. And I had to fucking, Jeez. I had to like heat it and then like pop it. And, and anyways, you know, she didn't make it. She passed away during the pandemic, at the end of the pandemic. Because, you know, I just don't think that she knew her worth and didn't think that there was anything. She was awesome. I, but she, I don't think that she thought there was any way out of that that life. You yeah. know, she was she was drinking a lot, I think. I think that she was doing meth from time to time. Not that any of those things are bad, and I don't judge anybody for doing taking substances. But I think anyone would but, tell you, ideally, they wouldn't like to be on meth. But, right. Now, meth is a hard one. You know, that's a, that's even one where I'm like, oh, I don't want to be around. I don't like being around people on meth because it, it, I pick up on it real easy. I, I had a meth addiction from when I was 18 to 20. My parents were all on it. All right. my friends were on it. It was uh, it, it's it's that one drug that I'm like, no, no, it's bad. I, I was in college and the apartment across from us, we used to go in there and smoke cigarettes when it was cold because, you know, Fort Collins, Colorado can get fairly cold from time yes, to time. Yes, yes. And we were in there one time and all these people came in and this guy pulls out this glass pipe and loads it up with some stuff. And I go, what is this? And the guy goes, it's decon, bro. And I'm like, what? And so the chick who lived there goes, uh, that's meth. He's going to do meth. And I'm like, okay, I need to excuse myself from this situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I left and it just, it made me wildly uncomfortable. Just, yeah. Yeah, I mean. It's a scary drug. It's yeah. a scary drug. That's a scary life. You know, when I was on it. You know, the rules didn't apply. Society and reality wasn't uh, fixed. It was, you know, I would be up for days at a time. People with the same people being up days at a time. My mother would say, I used her car a lot. And she would go, where the fuck did you go? I like, I, I tripped, you know, do the trip setting on my car. And then I get in the car the next morning and say 450 miles. Jesus. It was like, <laughs> where the fuck did you go? And I was like, oh man, I drove back and forth over the hill probably six, seven times. I drove down to Santa Cruz, about, you know what I mean? Like just, yeah. <laughs> but you know, I, I under, but I also understand the freedom of it and the wildness of it. And like, you know, I worked down in Skid Row with, with unhoused folks and, and people who, who use drugs and meth is definitely part of that. And I, and it, it reminds me of that life that I lived when I see folks in Skid Row. It's, a, it's that same kind of like just fast, uh, it, it just becomes this thing, you know, and um, it's, it's, it's a hard one. I mean, thank God I got off that shit that, you know, and, and there's no real, um, there's no real help for uh, meth used. There's no real like, you know, methadone and suboxone and stuff for opiates, but there's nothing really for meth mm. other than antidepressants. And, and even that, I mean, doesn't really work so well. So, you know, I can see why people are lost in that in that addiction. But meth is scary. Yeah, it is. It's a scary one. Yeah, it, you know. Changes you. Yeah. Well, and I mean, to my earlier point, you said, thank God you're off it now. And I, oh, yeah. I, you know, it may be fun while you're on it, but I think that has a fairly short shelf life of being a romantic way to live. <laughs> God. But, you know, I got to tell you, one of my best friends growing up, he's somebody I went to kindergarten with. I considered him one of he one of my best friends my entire life. And he called another friend the other day and said, you got to come see, I live in a, in a, in an unhoused encampment in the city. And, uh, I was like, God damn it. He just didn't. Wow. Couldn't stop. Um, you guys have been on fat records now for how long? Since 2014, almost 10 years. Wow. Fantastic. <laughs> so fat has always been like, that was my label growing up and still is. Yeah. Um, and I have a great relationship. You know, Vanessa helped set me up with this. She's so, I love her so much. She is She's so great. She was my she was my um, advocate and she really helped me when I was going through the breast cancer. She mm. was like she really, really, really helped me. There was days that I, I went I showed up at this surgeon's office once and it was so terrible and it was in South Central and she goes, Leave. You don't have to stay there, leave. You know, you get out of there now. You do not have to have this as your journey. Fuck that. And I was like, You're right, crying like <laughs> <laughs> so being on fat and i asked this of your label mate uh jose from make war when i talked to him i think that was during the pandemic still uh and then i actually met him last year punk rock saves lives but i asked him you know in 2023 what is the value of still continuing to be on a label you know w with the music industry in the state that it's in yeah i don't know it feels like home it feels like 
uh, folks I trust, that we trust. It's been nothing but uh, wonderful for us, the experience. You know, they've um, really put us out there. They believed in us. Our band has grown and grown and grown and grown. And I just consider them family as part of whatever this is that we're doing, you know. I, I always want us to be a Fat Records band, and I think that we'll always be a Fat Records band. And there's a lot of bands that put records out on Fat, you know, that record them in other places or pay for them on their own and then just look for a home to put a record out on. But, like, we have historically been one of the bands, you know, like like Lagwagon or Strung Out or Good Riddance, and you know what I mean? Like, the Caddies. These are Fat bands, and that's what Bad Cop is. We're just, we are... We are of that pedigree and of that scene. And, you know, they really have catapulted us to where we are now, which, you know, isn't by any means like huge, but it is, it gives us a career. You know, getting signed to fat is like you get validated, number one, and two, you get the option, you get the ability to go to work if that's what you want. You know, when when we first got signed, Mike was like, well, you guys aren't going to tour, right? And I was like, oh, no, we're touring. You know, he didn't think that we, we're going to do all, wanted to do all the things that, you know, we've been doing. Why but not? We just kind of jumped in with both feet and said, let's try it. And we've been doing it ever since. We go hard. Bad Cop goes hard. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, that's one of the things I, I love about listening to your music is anytime I, I put it on, I'm like, oh, hell yeah. Now we're going to we're going to get some shit done today. <laughs> but uh, so, I mean, you, you mentioned this like fat has helped you catapult. What, you know, what is the state of the music industry from where you sit for a band like Bad Cop, where you said, you know, we're not huge, yeah. but you're, you know, you have a name, you're known yeah. well in the punk community, I would say. You're part of Fat, yeah. one of the iconic labels. You know, in terms of, I, I don't need you to get specific about the economics of it, but like, is it a type of thing where you can live comfortably being Bad Cop, Bad Cop, or is it sort of supplemental to needing to do other things? Yeah, it, it is supplemental at this point, though. I lived off of it solely for a little while when, when you know, but I was very, you know, I didn't have much. Uh, here's the cool thing that out for me in particular, um, Bad Cop has also introduced me to my work with Sidewalk Project. So when I got, like I said, I had this massive life change. Uh, the, I found that the universe asked me to help other people get to out of their misery and stuff as well. And so I started Sidewalk Project with Soma, who was Fat Mike's ex-wife and one of my best friends, and Emily Nielsen from Punk Rock and Punk Rock and Paintbrushes. The three of us are co-founders in the Sidewalk Project. So the work that we do with the Sidewalk Project is helping folks get back on track. So it feels like everything I'm doing is of the same work. You know what I mean? It's so like I'm pushing so in the same grateful. direction, right? Like it's pushing the same direction. Yeah. So I work for sidewalk and do the job, but it's also, you know, I get to speak about harm reduction from the stage. I get to talk to people like you and, you know, about these kinds of things. So it's like the whole thing is Jenny called it living with intention. And it feels like that's what I'm doing. So I feel like it's all one thing. So I'm successful in it. You know what I mean? Successful in the message, no matter, no matter what. Yeah, absolutely. Tell me a little bit more about sidewalk project. So we are a nonprofit that works directly on the on the street with unhoused folks, people who use drugs, sex workers mostly. Um, we are harm reductionists, so we advocate for folks who use drugs. We try to um, keep them as safe as possible in their use. Uh, we try to prevent overdose. We're on the streets uh, providing Narcan and syringe exchange and and clean, I should say, new uh, apparatuses to to use with. So you're not using like a broken crack pipe. We could give you something that is cleaner. You don't have to share. We do, and, and but that just starts the conversation with folks, right? So we go tent to tent. We started as like an art and music organization where we would have kind of parties within Skid Row with, uh, you know, Johnny from Old Man Markley was part of it and, and uh, Jeff from the Agrolites, we'd go down, we'd play on the street and get people singing with each other. We'd paint a big mural. We'd have clothing giveaways with hygiene kits and uh, femme care kits. And, and then we would also have, you know, harm reduction supplies, food, water, all that kind of stuff. But then, you know, the, we, we, during the pandemic, we really jumped in and we started going tent to tent. That opens up a greater conversation about the needs of people and trust, right? So the folks we work with are highly marginalized, super vulnerable, 
do not trust the system, do not even want to go to the hospital for a abscess or for a gunshot wound or any of these things. They'd rather have, you know, a, a punk rocker sew them up on the street that act that actually can relate to them and, and show them love and respect and appreciation. And, and then we last year got a grant to open a drop-in center within Skid Row. So we are able to do wraparound services. It's like a drop-in center for wellness. So, so we have like um, self-defense classes and we have yoga and we're trying to do yoga and meditation and the things that keep people well, but it's, it's really becoming a safe space for women that live on the street, uh, street-based sex workers, um, people who have been on the street for a very long time. We're, we're housing folks. We are, well, we're providing uh, referrals for housing and we are being looked, we work with the mayor's office. We get, you know, we do, like I said, we do wound care. We take people to the hospital. We take people to, to get medically assisted treatment for if they want to get off of opiates. So we, we get them their medically assisted treatment, methadone, suboxone. We do emergency hotel rooms for folks that need induction to these uh, life-saving mat treatments or for, to get out of domestic violence situations. Like I just had to pay a, a bunch of money to for a woman who's abusive partner burnt their tent down to the ground and everything that they had in it so she's in now in a hotel room and and then we'll navigate trying to get her an interim interim housing and then from interim interim housing comes you know law, permanent housing and we hire folks we have a day work program that allows folks to come in and clean and make kits and do all of the things that we do for our outreach on sundays and so it's a very uh, it's it's a we are public health we are humanitarians we are activists we're punk rockers and <laughs> we are you know people trust us out there because we're we are uh, willing to go deep with them and not let them down or leave them once they get the the thing they've asked for you know yeah well Stacy that is uh, all encompassing my goodness yeah you know I'm reminded of something that Adrian told me from Plasma Canvas, who you're sharing the bill with here uh, on Saturday. But she said she's a trans woman, and she said people, when it comes to, tra- to, to transgender issues, people never talk to you, they talk about you. And, and if they talk about you, or if they're talking to you, they're probably talking down to you. Ugh. Now, based on what you just said, you know, there's a lot of conversations about homelessness and addiction, particularly post-pandemic here uh, in this country. And since you're working directly with these folks who live there, what do you wish people who talk about this issue knew from your experience? Well, I mean, here's here's something that is it blows my mind all the time. It's like middle class people and upper class people. We all use drugs. I mean, I smoke weed. I drink. There's people that do blow all the time that have millions of dollars and they're not looked at as bad. But it's more of the poverty and the systemic racism and the fear of trans, the phobias of of everything out there that people tend to, you know, look down on folks in those situations. Being in poverty and poor, people look down on you and say, oh, well, you can't do that because you're a piece of shit monster. That is just poor, and here you are living. But but when if you come from nothing, and then you've been kicked out of the nothingness into some place like Skid Row, and you have absolutely less than nothing, how do you know your worth? How do you know you know? And then people look at you because you use you might use substances. Then you're looked at as this like other. You're not human anymore. You're not of this this society of this status of whatever. I just if we talk about it like if only doctors would prescribe like Adderall to meth users, it would it would take them from being a street-based drug user to middle-class <laughs> drug user <laughs> in a fucking minute. <laughs> that's, I've never that heard crazy? it phrased, I've never heard it phrased that way, but that's amazing. But it's true. It's like, it just is, a, it's a matter of perception, right? And so what we're doing is advocating for those who use drugs. I gotta be honest, my mother, wonderful woman, one of my best friends, used meth, forever she ended up uh retiring making like 120 grand a year but used meth most of her career you know what i mean like went to work every day it's like so it's possible for people to be able to use and still be respected in society Hmm. Um, so that's that's why you know decriminalization and making things legal it seems like the way out of it Hmm. you know like advocating for drug users to 
also be productive members of society is so important to the way that we look at people. I, um, I think that's counterintuitive based on our cultural narrative. 100%. But- you just don't think so. But it is. As soon as you, like, look at the weed business now. It's true. It's like people that, you know, used to be able to sell tons of weed just is gone. That, that industry is gone for folks. It, you know, the, the um, legalization of it all has made it so easy to get. It's like there's no, there's no black market. There's no people getting, you know what I mean? Like yeah. the people that used to sell and live off of it are like, Jesus Christ, I can't even get $500 for a pound. A pound! <laughs> Back in the day, it was five grand. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, so it just is... Uh, decriminalization and legalization is really the way to go because it, it cuts out the middleman and it cuts out the pain and the hurt and the, and the, all of that kind of stuff. So you've, you've hinted at this, but let's say, I mean, let, let's start, you mentioned Skid Row. Let's say you are magically tomorrow, the benevolent dictator of Los Angeles <laughs> and you are in charge oh, of, no, I don't want that job. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but for the sake of this intellectual exercise, indulge me. Sure. Let's say, uh, so you, you are granted benevolent dictatorship of Los Angeles. What do you do to uh, help uh, unhoused folks? How, how, do you, how do you make the city better? Well, I think that what we're doing at Sidewalk is the way because people want to bitch about folks down on their luck. But if you're not willing to actually reach out a hand and help somebody get back to a level of um, wellness, then you're just part of the problem as well. Like Sidewalk is there to walk people through whatever it is they need, whether it's glasses, getting your teeth fixed, if it's housing, if it's, you know, um, testing and treatment for disease, if it's any of that stuff, you know, we've got to start knocking some of this shit out and you've got to be consistent. You can't just be like, if you want to stay here, you got to love God. If you want, <laughs> if you want to eat uh, this steak, you better uh, sign this paper and you, if you want to stay here tonight, you better be clean. It's like, Jesus fucking Christ. Like none of that stuff works. The, the program works for a lot of people, but there's a lot of people it doesn't work for. So changing it on its, on its head, uh, allowing folks to use and keeping them connected. You see folks wanting more for their lives when they get to all their needs are met. And then they work through all of a sudden it's like, maybe I don't, I don't want to be on meth anymore. Maybe I do want to have a job. Maybe I do want a little bit more for my life. Right. So it's starting that conversation. The conversation of like needle exchange, syringe exchange uh, is like an opening conversation. And then people are around with community, their needs are being met, they're eating, they're housed, their wounds are being taken care of, their, their diseases are being cared for. Then it becomes like, well, maybe I want, I do want more things, all of that stuff that kept me like, I can't, it's insurmountable. I cannot get through this. Uh, Then starts looking like I can actually work, you know, a couple hours a day in the center. I can actually do a day of outreach. I can actually show up for this. You know, it just, it's, it's a backwards way, but it it gets people to wellness. Well, it ultimately there's, it's It's just a different path. Right, right. It's, it's not, it's it's backwards based on the way we understand it right now, which right. is which is to say like no you have to clean up and you have to like you have to clean up or I cut you off and now you're alone right. and now you're on you know what I mean like you're yeah. in the worst the worst situation ever and dying of overdose right like you have to have all these external markers of like success and cleanliness and prosperity first before you can you know before you get all the all the task oriented steps that you're describing. Whereas what you're describing is like, yeah, okay, let's start you working. Let's get you cleaned up. Let's get your wounds fixed. Let's get your teeth fixed. Like, have you ever tried to function when you have a tooth that hurts? It sucks. Yeah. I've had, I have terrible dental issues and I'm actually in a good space now. I've I've gotten on top of it, but boy. And then thinking about having, you know, I always say this at Sidewalk as well. It's like, imagine having all your teeth broken and then you're like, I'm just going to try to get a job. It's like. Who, you know what I mean? It's, right. it's so fucked that it, our society is so judgmental about anybody that is different. So we're advocating for the rights of folks that are different and choose a different path. And everybody's allowed to make the decisions they want to make in their lives. And, you know, it, and people can be successful using sex workers should unionize and be safe. Go back indoors if they want and, and or stay out on the street and be street based, but be safe and respected. And um, it's you know what I mean? So we're, we're the oldest profession there is a lot. They're really. <laughs> so, I mean, it, 
and here like here's the thing that that bothers me is you know i i am not i am not a gun guy in this country by any stretch of the imagination but when when you start talking to them about like you know wanting to ban high capacity magazines they go well prohibition doesn't work it's like well what are you motherfuckers like saying we should do about sex workers drug use and abortion right. you're, you're, you're absolutely right you're, you're, same same you're trying to do exactly what you say doesn't work for this thing that right. that you that you just happen to like, and to me it's just a very disingenuous conversation. Um, well, that, I think prohibition doesn't work and uh, for anything. So uh, it is it's about conversation and community and uh, trying to help. That's it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Help. Um, God forbid. And stay consistent. Stay consistent in the help. You know. Yeah. Absolutely. It's brutal. It's hard. The things we see out there. I mean, I uh, my partners, Soma is like, and Jen, our case managers are just uh, incredible in in the capacity of of what they're able to do for folks and their compassion and their patience and their understanding and knowledge and um, it's uh, it's. Uh, Breathtaking. That's phenomenal. I'm going to pivot back to the music real sure. quick. Let's here. go back to the music. Sorry. <laughs> um, no, I, this is important shit, though. And like, if we are, are we actually doing, you know, a disservice to punk rock if we don't touch on issues like this? Right. Right. It, right. To your point, it's not all, all about like facile heartbreak songs. Although I, I, I do. Although uh, those are great too. Those gosh. are phenomenal. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll listen to San Dimas High School Football Rules by the Ataris anytime anyone wants to. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but so bad cop, bad cop, you've been going strong now. What do you see as what is the trajectory for bad cop, bad cop? Do you have like what what are the the mountains yet to climb for bad cop, bad cop? Where do you see the band going? Yeah, well, I, I we're putting out two new singles. We're working on a new record. I think that we just really love doing this and it's something that we want to continue doing for as long as we can and we're able. I think we want to make sure that people know we're here, we're in the game and we're not really going anywhere. I see us continuing to grow. I mean, everywhere we go, the shows or there's, even if it's five to 10 more people, it's more people than the last time. So I've got to believe that like slow growth is better than no growth. Uh, or backwards or loss, I should say. <laughs> right, right. I want to see us making a fucking be- killer record, uh, our next record, and seeing where that goes. We're looking at bringing on management for the first time. We've been a self-managed band this entire time. Jeez. Um, the four of us work on every part of it. Um, I book the band. I do stuff with, I make sure we do stuff with the label. Lynn does the day-to-day stuff, like, uh, figuring out how the touring and booking the tickets and all that kind of stuff is going to go. Once we book the tour, she tour manages us in the States, but we think that we're going to transition her out of doing that. So she can focus on being the artist for once and not having to be so stressed out about the, the business end of it. And so it's all little steps of growth, right? It's like uh, with management, we're looking to do just tightening up some stuff, having somebody that can help us make the best decisions in terms sure. of travel and what can be the best way to get to X, Y, and Z. What can we, I need a sounding board or if you've got really great ideas or make sure we're on that tour, make sure we're on that uh, festival and that we're in a good spot for that festival. And you know what I mean? Like, so there's a lot of, of that kind of stuff, just solidifying our, our, our place in this and growing within it. You know, I, I've thought about this a lot too. It's like, I'm a, I'm a punk rocker, man. I don't, I'm not going to put out a, um, a solo country record. I'm not going to try to go pop. We are what we are and that's fucking awesome. And as long as we could keep growing within, in our scene and spreading the message to more people, I think that's, that's the, that's the idea. Stacy, that is phenomenal. And, you know, it reminds me of, have you ever seen that letter that Steve Albini wrote to uh, Kurt Cobain about wanting to do in what became In Utero? And, um, he said, the label is going to offer me points. I want to turn it down because, like, I just like what I do. Pay me like I'm a fucking plumber. And <laughs> I was thinking about some of my colleagues. So I've been self-employed now for the last eight and a half years. Good for you. And it's phenomenal. I and I don't it's this won't surprise you. I'm called John of All Trades and I'm talking punk rock in the middle of the day here on a Monday. Um, <laughs> I don't I don't fit in well in other organizations and I like I'm I'm a shitty employee. I'm just I'm resentful of <laughs> like, like, 
but I'm a killer consultant. Like I'm, I'm really, really good at what I do, and I've been very, very successful. But I have friends who have taken the entrepreneurial leap too, but they want to like grow an empire or something. Mm-hmm. And I go, you've just built yourself a new fucking prison here because yeah. all of a sudden you're responsible for other people's rent. You, ha- you, like, you have to get office space. You go in every day because people are looking to you to be in charge. And it's like, no. It, so to your point, your goal for bad cop, bad cop to be like, we just want to keep doing this. Like, that's me because there's right. joy in the fucking work. And I think some people miss that in pursuing that is which ethereal and fleeting. Right. Like, what, what, what uh, do I think that, like, we're going to hit radio? I, you know, who knows? I always say whatever the universe wants for us. I'm not going to worry about it or, or, or try real hard to get there. If that's what's supposed to happen, that is what will happen. But even radio these days is like, what radio? Nobody really <laughs> listens to radio anymore. You know I mean? As an old radio guy, I mean, I do, but your point stands. Uh, <laughs> and and sometimes bums me out but you know what do you yeah, I, 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 I got a fondness for radio and here in denver we got we got a good um on on hd radio um 93.3 ktcl has this thing called punk tacos and th- i mean they're playing everything from you know gutter mouth to uh you know they're playing no effects cool. yeah they're they're playing just really really great punk rock and reaching back and playing like the damned Oh, I love it. Uh, yeah, it's it's phenomenal. So we have, I mean, Denver's got a great scene. Uh, really, that's why Denver's always been so great for us. You know, it really is one of like Chicago, Denver, um, Dallas, Austin. Those kind of areas have always been really nice. good for us. Okay, last question for you, and then we're going to do plugs. Sure. You get to uh, build your ultimate bill, of which Bad Cop, Bad Cop <laughs> is a part. Who are you playing with? Oh gosh. Yeah, and <laughs> I know that's unfair because I put you on the spot. And you know what? Answer, th- think about this and, answer that uh, question I, historically if you want to. <laughs> I'm going to do this. We're putting together the credits for our new double A-side 7-inch that's going to be coming out on Fat very soon. Our, our next single, our first single is coming out on the 25th. I have to say all of this stuff. Of course. But in the thank yous, I said, with love to our favorite bands and their crews. So this is going to be long, but this would be my favorite. Okay. <laughs> The Last Gang, The Venomous Pinks, Anti-Flag, Me First, and The Gimme Gimmies, No Effects, The Suicide Machines, Hot Water Music, Long Beach Dub All-Stars, Strung Out, The Mad Caddies, The Adolescents, Pero Bravo, Co-Defendants, MXPX, <laughs> The Bomb Pops, Jen Razavi and Polly Van Dam Band, and Remington, Spoilers, Bad Religion, Joni Mitchell. Wow. Good one. Uh, Bloody Benders, Get Dead, Face to Face, Wonk Unit, Thea, Sick of It All, Lagwagon, Municipal Waste. Off with their heads, less than Jake, Pennywise, Nubs and her studs, the Ataris, there you go. Yeah. The Surf Punks, the Falling Idols, the Returners, Ralph Champagne, Shira Girl, Comeback Kid. This is long, but this is a good festival. Holy shit. Draculas, We Are the Union, the Homeless Gospel Choir, Social Distortion, the Returners, Frank Turner and the Sleeping Souls, Snuff, One Last Zero, the Vandals, Frankie and the Studs, the Angry Amputees, uh, The Wrong Way, the Interrupters, Jay Navarro and the Traders, Green Day, the Descendants, and Freestyle Fellowship. <laughs> well played <laughs> and if you look at my arm like I have many of those bands on there you sure do I'll, I'll, show, I'll show them to you when uh, when we meet in person <laughs> but um, god damn that's, that's phenomenal I just saw Frank Turner and the Sleeping Souls for the first time live they played um, with the Interrupters and my god what a show they're so great Frank I've known for over 20 years and uh, back in London I met him back in London my ex-husband um, was a radio DJ for the BBC and Frank had his band Million Dead and that's when I met him and then he started doing the acoustic stuff and he really took off and so he's never forgotten he always and he always has looked out for us and we've gotten to do a month-long tour with him nice. and we're going to be playing with him on my birthday September 22nd at, at the House of Blues Anaheim here sweet all right. Well, that's that's a good segue into plugs. Where can people find Bad Cop? Bad Cop, you, um, Sidewalk, and anything you want to plug, do it now. Okay. Uh, you can find Bad Cop, Bad Cop on Instagram, on the Facebook, on... I don't think we're on Twitter anymore, and I, I do not think that we're on any other platforms, but you can find us on Spotify, on YouTube, on Apple Music, on um, just any streaming platform. You can pre-save the new single that's coming out. I think this week we're about to announce it, which is so exciting. You can find The Sidewalk Project at thesidewalkproject.org. You can find us at badcopbadcopband.com. 
you can find me on the Instagram if you ever want to talk about anything. Um, I'm always available about anything. And yeah, that's kind of it. We're just we're just about everywhere you can be. It sounds like it. Uh, you can find all of that plugged in the show notes, uh, no matter what platform you're listening on, whether that's iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Pandora, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your pods, we'll be there. Also on the companion blog piece, johnofalltrades.us. Stacy D, this was an enormous pleasure. Thank you so much for this. I cannot wait so to... Much, but gosh, that flew by. I can't even believe how... We could sit here and talk for the rest of the day, I'm sure. <laughs> I'll bet we could. I, you know, We could swap all sorts of stories and favorite bands and shit. Um, and that would be a phenomenal way to spend the day. But you know what? Yeah. Maybe we'll continue this. I'll bring my wife to uh, Punk Rock Saves Lives, and we'll pick it back up in person, if that sounds you good to you. Can you bring your kids? Uh, I I don't know. It's a beer works place, so maybe yeah, it's a brewery. I'm not sure. I will look into that. But Stacy D, I wish you nothing but yeah. continued success. Thank you, John. And that'll do it for episode 351 of the John of All Trades podcast with Stacy D from Bad Cop, Bad Cop. You heard all the links she gave you. Those are in the show notes. Find them there or johnofalltrades.us where I have 350 additional episodes that I think you'll adore. Episode 350 had Adrian Ash from Plasma Canvas who was also playing that bill. Check that one out too if you're into punk rock. Pay some love to our sponsor here, 4Degrees, the number 4, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. Anything you're doing in the digital space, 4Degrees can help you do it better. Building a website, email campaigns, social media marketing, online advertising, no matter what you're doing, 4Degrees will get your message in front of the people who need to hear it most. The number 4, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. Stay up with me on social, that's J-O-A-T pod across platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, and Instagram. New episodes, when they drop, drop on Wednesdays, except for today. This this one's a daylight. What are you going to do? Episode previews are Facebook only. That's on Monday. I'm out of here for this week. I've got a slew of shows coming your way this month. I've got one featuring a former NFL player turned entrepreneur coming up next week. And then I've got someone who does what I do, which is presentation training the week after that. You're going to love it. Stay up with John of All Trades on all those social platforms or johnofalltrades.us. Go to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you go. Rate, review, and subscribe. Hit that little button. New episodes will come directly to you as soon as they're available. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And until I hear you again, say goodnight, Grace. That's good, Johnny.